Hey, hey, welcome back to Parents Have Special Needs 2. This is episode 66, Learned Helplessness, and I'm your host, Ashley Johnston. Hey, everybody, I hope you're doing well. The holiday seasons are starting. I don't know about you, but I'm going into stores and I'm seeing all the Halloween things up already, and even Christmas things in some of the stores. Is that crazy? They already put Christmas things up, and it's just the beginning of October. Anyway, it just boggles my mind. So let's dive right in. Learned helplessness. This one is a super, super interesting topic to delve into, and there's a lot of layers. So I'm just going to kind of skim through some of the basics today, and I'll probably do another one on this because it is so important. So there's two main aspects that as I've been doing research on this have come up and this is the learned helplessness that happens with our kids that have disabilities. It's the learned helplessness that they learn because they have um, had so many people helping them or because they have constantly been coming up against significant struggles in their life. But what I want to talk about today Today is this learned helplessness that we develop as the parents, as the moms of special needs children. So let's just dive right in for a second and look at the official definition of learned helplessness. All right, so I'm going to read a couple of different definitions that I found online because I think that reading different definitions, the different ways things are worded, can spark different things in our minds that can help us learn and understand better. So this definition is from Medical News Today, and it says, Learned helplessness is a state that occurs after a person has experienced a stressful situation repeatedly. They come to believe that they are unable to control or change the situation, so they do not try, even when opportunities for change become available. Better Up says that learned helplessness is what social science researchers call it when a person is unable to find resolutions to a difficult situation, even when a solution is accessible. People that struggle with learned helplessness tend to complain a lot feeling overwhelmed and incapable of making any positive difference in their circumstances. Having lived the life as a mother of special needs children, especially if doctors don't know what your child is struggling with, like a rare genetic disorder, you often come up against stressful situations repeatedly. And it's often that you don't know what to do or the Doctors don't know what to do. And I've often been told this, and I'm curious to know if, you've has, if you have as well, is that when you're sitting in those doctor appointments and they say, hey, this isn't your fault. You didn't do anything to make this happen. And there's nothing you could have done to change it. And there's probably nothing you can do to change it. So you really kind of need to accept this. And they still offer therapies and different things like that. So it can be quite confusing. At least it has been to me that you are often told, hey, there's nothing you can do. And at the same time, let's get them in all these therapies, but probably they're going to be this way forever, right? Or they're going to make some minimal progression. And so this kind of, it's an, as a, as a parent, we're fed this kind of narrative. And then 
we can see it play out in our children when they're struggling or when we're struggling, but then we often will help them a lot, like I kind of mentioned at the beginning. So they perhaps might be learning some learned helplessness and we might be two at the same time. It's interesting because here are some of the symptoms of learned helplessness, which is low self-esteem, frustration, so that things that are um, for others may not be very frustrating are very frustrating for you or that you are easily frustrated, easily overwhelmed, easily flustered. Passivity is another one. And the, the idea of passivity is a bit of an attitude of bad things just happen to me and there's really nothing that I can do about it. Um, lack of effort is another thing. And this can be described as procrastination or avoidance of decisions, maybe this idea that I just don't know um, or nothing that I do really makes things better. Oftentimes it just doesn't work out for me. Things just don't work out for me. Another symptom of learned helplessness is that even when you're starting to do something and it's starting to work, you might tend to give up relatively quickly when you hit little bumps in the road but they don't seem little, they seem huge, right? Um, or that there's struggle with follow through. And it was interesting as I was reading all of these things, I was like, oh my gosh, that was me, that I've done that, or I'm doing that, or I struggle with that. And another thing that these studies pointed out is that learned helplessness isn't necessarily something that is completely global in your life, meaning that perhaps you are really great at being able to make money or really great at your relationships, but you really struggle in going to doctor's appointments or you really struggle in talking to doctors or perhaps particularly with giving treatment or taking care of your child. Or it might be the other way around where it's like, I'm phenomenal at taking care of my kids, advocating them, getting them what they need. But then there might be a struggle with um, finances or, fe or feeling like there's something you can do to make this better. So a little background on this is that learned helplessness was something that Martin Siegelman and his partner, Stephen Meyer or Mayer, did, they did research in the 1967 and they accidentally, in their research on animals, accidentally discovered the learned helplessness theory. And it came when they were exposing dogs to shocks. Remember, this was a while ago. But they were doing this, and they realized that as they shocked the dogs, and the, the shocking was inescapable, and the dogs started to latch onto the idea that they could not escape this, then when they were able to escape it, and the shock was administered, they didn't take the out. They didn't escape it even though it was there. And different researchers have applied this to humans as well, not with shocking, but with noises, right? Where they would administer this loud noise to a group of people. And at the time they couldn't escape, like they couldn't escape it. They couldn't make it stop. And then later on they would, to these same groups, give them opportunities to, to make the noise stop, but they often didn't take it as they had, or they, they wouldn't look for a way to stop it because they had learned that they couldn't. Something else this research led to was a new understanding of trauma. And I'm going to read another excerpt 
from this article on BetterUp that says, people that experience repeated abuse and other adverse situations, for example, the stress of raising a child with special needs and working with doctors, et cetera, et cetera, they eventually learn to become helpless if nothing they do changes it or changes the situation. It's as if they internalize the sense that nothing worked in that situation, nothing will work in similar situations either. So that trauma begins to erode two critical aspects of mental well-being, one being self-efficacy and the internal locus of control. So self-efficacy is the level of confidence that you have in yourself that you can tackle a challenge or learn a new skill that you need to tackle that challenge. The internal locus of control is the degree to which you believe you have some control in your circumstances that, that the, what you do, the actions you take make a difference. But when learned helplessness takes over because you have tried and tried and tried and tried and failed and failed and failed, or you have taken action and it's not making a difference in your situation, this learned helplessness starts to set in and makes it difficult to overcome challenges or to find solutions to problems in your life, even when they are accessible. Now, something I want to mention is that when you have a child with disabilities, right, there are certain things that are outside of your control and there are things that are inside. And it's really important to take time to distinguish what those things are. Because as you continue to try to find solutions to help your child, to help you, to create possibility for your life, and you keep hitting a wall and keep hitting a wall and keep hitting a wall, learned helplessness is what starts to take hold. But if you're learning like there's a genetic disorder, there's a syndrome, there's something I cannot do, and the research I have done has shown me that there's nothing I can do about that, then that might be a good time for you to lean into acceptance in that area that I cannot control this thing, it is outside of my control. However, these things I can control. And this is where I'm going to put my time and my energy. So that's something you might wanna do, whether you can do that mentally on a piece of paper, because this learned helplessness, if you are trying to change something that's outside of your control, learned helplessness can start to set in when you are in fact not helpless in other areas where you can influence your life and you can influence your child's life. So that is something I want to say, pay attention to. So as they did research on learned helplessness, they found that there were resilient people that no matter what they did, they did not learn helplessness. And the question is why? Why not? And as they analyzed it, they started to see that there was a different kind of response from the people that learned helplessness and from the people that didn't. And the people that didn't learn um, helplessness, they often had a different manner of explanation as to why they weren't finding success or why they weren't finding a solution to the problem. And this is interesting, and they've labeled it as helpful and unhelpful ways to respond. So I'm just going to give you some of the examples that were in this article. 
So the example is a test. A helpful response to a test would be, this test is hard. So I'll make a study plan and I'll ask others for advice. The unhelpful response is, this test is hard, so I'll probably fail at it no matter what I do. So then they go and they take the test. And here is how they respond to their outcomes of the test. The helpful response is, this material was challenging, but now I know what to expect and how to study for it. And the unhelpful response is, I knew that I wasn't going to pass, and now I feel stupid. This was a waste of my time, and there's no point in taking this test again. So those people that responded in a way that brought the failure solely on their shoulders, like, this is all my fault, and it's because I, fundamentally as a being, have a problem. I am not smart. I am a failure. I am stupid. Whereas the helpful response and perspective of this test is hard, this challenge is difficult. And yes, I failed initially, but I learned a whole lot of things as I am failing and I can figure this out. So it's these two perspectives that are able to help predict whether someone's going to learn helplessness or whether they're not. And I thought this was super fascinating that as we personalize the challenge of our child having special needs, as we personalize it and say, it's my fault. If I had done something different during pregnancy, done something different during the first years of their life, done something different, then perhaps they wouldn't be struggling with this, that their special needs, their disabilities, their struggles are solely your responsibility. This is where the learned helplessness comes into play, which was fascinating to me because I can definitely see that train of thought really trying to take hold as I'm seeing my kids struggle and I'm seeing I'm struggling. That's very, very tempting because, and the challenge is, is that you want to take that responsibility so that you have some sort of feeling of control. Like if it's my fault, then maybe I can do something to change it. Whereas if it's outside of me, as if it's like the test is just hard, um, maybe what if there's not anything I can do because you don't feel like you have the ability, like you can't learn enough to make a difference. Okay, so if you have seen yourself in what I'm describing as learned helplessness, even if it's not globally in your whole life, but different aspects in your whole life where you are not taking care of yourself, you're procrastinating your self-care or neglecting it altogether. Or there are things for your child that you just feel absolutely overwhelmed in doing and you keep procrastinating it. The question now is, well, what can we do about it, right? And that was my question is like, well, now what? Now what do we do? Is there a possibility that we can do this? And what the studies are saying is that it is something you can unlearn, right? And a lot of the suggestions come down to cognitive behavioral therapy, which essentially is changing the way that you think about the situation you're in, right? That the helpful way of thinking or the unhelpful way of thinking. And it's not just changing your thinking, but it's changing your thinking in a way that will help you get a win, help you get a result 
to help you build up evidence that what you do does make a difference. So what you will want to do and what I have found to be most helpful is to find an area in your life that is not as hard for you to deal with. Something that you notice your learned helplessness is showing up in, but it's not the biggest struggle you have. So if you're really struggling with self-care, for example, don't start there. Start somewhere else where you know it's, it's, you can see that you are procrastinating a little bit. You're having a hard time getting a win, but you don't completely feel like you're out of control or like you can't do anything there. Start there. So choose an area of your life where you feel like you're likely to get a win. Set a goal for that area, whether it's a specific, a specific action that you're going to take, something you're going to do that will help you get a specific result. So let's set a small goal of, I'm going to do yoga two times this week, 10 minutes, no more, no less, that's it. Choose a time, choose a day, and then execute on it. And then don't undermine that win. That is a win. You made a difference. And I can tell you that just doing yoga a couple times a week for 10 minutes I can feel a difference in my body. That's a win that has some results that are affecting my life. As you build up these small wins, okay, this is like putting a marble in a jar a day. If you want that visual, you can also do that visual. But this is something that's going to build up over time. So give yourself a while. Give yourself a month, give yourself two months or three months to be able to see these things accumulate. Just choose one thing. So if it's yoga or if it's working out of something like that, then track that thing and see how you feel. See how your confidence grows. See how it builds the way that you think about your ability to do something that does make a difference in your life. As you take note of that, also take note of how your confidence is growing. Then See if you can merge that into a different area of your life. See if you can overlay that pattern, overlay that confidence into another area that you want to become, that you want to unlearn helplessness. All right, that is what I've got for you today. If you want more information on learned helplessness, let me know in the comments and I'll put that together for you guys. Have a good week and until next time, take care.